you've got your Bibles, go to Philippians chapter 3. We're still in Philippians 3. Um, just some, some great nuggets, some beautiful um, words of conviction, of wisdom here. And I just want us to spend time in this, um, this text. Last week when we, fin- when we were finishing up, we were, the title of last week's message was New Year's Resolutions. Everybody makes them. Most of the time we fail. We fail with New Year's resolutions because we just, we just do. We're human and we fail. Um, but we talked about what it looks like to walk into a new year and, and have a resolution that would honor the Lord Jesus Christ, that would honor His Word, that would honor um, the, the pursuit of who Christ is. And at the ending of Philippians chapter 3, he, he talks about our citizenship. He talks about those that are in Christ. Paul says those in verse 20, he says, but those of us, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body into his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So as Christ followers, as our, our admonition from the text, as Christ followers, our primary desire, our primary objective should be to be transformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our goal as Christians. We, we have no other desires, no other thing that's, okay, what do I need to do? We want to look like the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Christians should have the desire to want to be. Is I want to look like, I want to sound like, I want to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what we're called to do. The goal of Christian living is to look like Christ himself. Nothing else. And I, and I made another statement at the beginning of my sermon last week. And I said there is a massive difference between those who identify as Christians culturally... And those who actually are biblical followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the primary difference between those two is that biblical followers of Jesus have one desire. Have one desire. Now, they may have interests. They may have things that they like to do. They might have things that they like to go see and be a part of. But their overarching one desire is to be like Christ. Is to be like their Savior. And listen, it is not silly, it is not pharisaical, it is not hyper-religious to want to pursue and be a part of and know the Lord Jesus Christ better. It is not, oh, you're just being a religious fuddy-duddy, Caleb. Oh, no, no, no. The scriptures are very clear. It is not, it is not hyper-religious. It is not pharisaical to pursue holiness. It is not wrong, it is not wicked, it is not silly to want to pursue holiness or to be more like Christ. It's biblical, amen? It's biblical to want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ better. And if you're not wanting to follow the Lord Jesus Christ better, I'm going to say you probably need to be saved. If you have no desire to want to follow Jesus, if you want to have no desire to want to look more like Christ, there's a problem. There's a problem because Romans chapter 12, verse 2 tells us, he says, Paul, this is Paul writing in Romans as well. And he says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern 
what the will of God is and what is acceptable, perfect, and good. So Paul tells us in Romans 12 not to be conformed to the world. Absolutely, don't be conformed to the world. Don't don't align yourself with the teachings and the ideologies of this present world system. Paul backs that up again in Philippians chapter 3. And he he tells us and he he gives us a little bit more clarity in, in a few verses back in Philippians 3. In verses 18 and 19, he talks about those who are at one point supposedly Christians supposedly Christians verse 18 says for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears now walk as enemies of the cross of Christ their end is destruction their God is their belly and they glory in the shame that they have with minds set on earthly things with minds set on earthly things. Christ followers are called not to make this place their focus. And this is what happens is those that are in Christ. Like, I have for decades followed a couple of men um, who were in the public eye in ministry. Loved listening to their music. Loved listening to their teachings. They seemed solid seemed solid, passed a lot of theological sniff tests, had some personal conversations with one of those guys. Um, But they, they chose to focus on the things of this world rather than pursuing the Lord Jesus Christ. And it became very apparent over the last probably four or five years that these guys were just really good at making us believe that they were something they were not. They're not Christians, and they just had really, they, they knew how to say all the right words in the right spots. But man, that's so many people in the church today. That's so many people sitting in the church today know how to say the right words, no one to nod their head, say amen, sing the songs, do the things, but they're not really followers of Christ and so Paul and listen I don't say that with cheer in my voice I'm I'm echoing Paul here for many whom I have told you about often and now I tell you even with tears in my eyes now walk as enemies of the cross of Christ it breaks my heart that those men are not pursuing Christ it breaks my heart that those men who at one point seemed to know who Christ was now have no affections, no, and actually now are pushing against the cause of Christ and are actively becoming, are actively enemies of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we know why this happens. First, first John 2.19. It is clear that those who go out from us, if they, they, if, they, if they were with us, they would have stayed with us. But to make it clear to the rest of the world, they never were a part of us. They never were a part of us. So that I say this with a burdened heart. But this is where I stand and echo even more loudly that Paul says here, Christ followers are not to make this place our homes. Because what's the thing that they focus on? Those that are outside of Christ, what's their focus? Their focus is that they make their God their belly, they glory in their shame, 
and their minds are constantly set on this world. They're set on earthly things. So Paul says, this isn't what we're supposed to do. Your focus isn't this place. Your focus isn't earthly things. Don't get comfortable in your own skin. Don't get comfortable in your own pew. Don't, don't, don't take refuge in your stuff. Don't take refuge in what you own. Don't take refuge in what you have. And I've said this a couple different times, but listen, everything you own will be owned by someone else one day or it's going to be in a giant dumpster somewhere. That's it. All those trinkets that you, bought, you paid for, everything that you value right now, you won't value in 10 years. The thing you value today, shoot, I mean, as fast-paced as the world is, you may not even value it in six months. But I can tell you from experience, the stuff you own today will be future garage sales and future trash bins. So don't, don't get your focus. Stop letting your stuff own you and stop focusing on what's earthly because it is going to go away. Paul tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and temporary residents in this world to abstain from the desires of, the sinful, of sinful flesh, which is against your soul. Listen, the sin that goes into your, that you consume, that you, that you pursue and that you uh, commit, it is actually a foreign entity that wages war against your own spirit and your own soul. The sin that's in your life is a thing that is ultimately going to destroy you. So Paul, or Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, I'm urging you as aliens... And as temporary residents of this planet, to abstain from the desires of the flesh. Don't chase after sinful desires, but rather wage war against them because they want to wage war on you. And I'm telling you, the sooner we as Christians come to understand that we are in a spiritual battle, the sooner men and women will actually begin to win the war against sin in their lives. Because here's the thing, all of the physical things that manifest in our lives have some sort of a spiritual backdrop, have some sort of a spiritual undertone. Whether it's sickness, whether it's um, mental distress, any of these things, whether it's a fight in the family, whether it's family members or friends waging war against one another, those things come from the enemy. What does the enemy want you to do more than anything else? He wants to divide and conquer you. He wants to rip you apart. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy you as an individual. And the sooner we as Christians come to understand that we are in a spiritual war, the sooner we as men and women in Christ are going to start winning the war against the sin that is actually taking place in our lives. And I need you to understand, listen, I need you guys to understand this. Hone in, listen, focus in on me. The devil wants you to think that there is not a battle. The devil wants you to believe that there is no fight. There's nothing you need to worry about. You You just coast and live your life. You live your best life now. 
and that there is no fight and there's no need for you to actually engage in any type of spiritual battle. You don't need to pick this thing up. You don't need to read this thing. You don't need to stress. You don't need to, hey, just do you. It takes too much time to open this Bible. It takes too much time to do the things in this thing. Just eh, scroll some more social media. Watch another Netflix special. Don't, don't, get, don't worry about these things. Speaking of movies, there was a movie in 1995 called The Usual Suspects. And there was a quote in that movie that I just find striking. Listen to this. The, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he did not exist. The greatest trick the devil's ever pulled is convincing the world that he doesn't exist. You say, oh, Caleb, everybody knows that the devil exists. Oh, well, the research says otherwise. Listen to this. If the devil can convince you, Christian, if the devil can convince you he does not exist and that there is no real battle and no need for you to show up and engage in any type of a battle, what will happen is we won't wage war against sin in our own lives and sin will infiltrate our hearts and it will destroy us. And if you leave just a small crack in the door of your heart, just enough for the for the enemy to get his foot in, he'll full-fledged kick the door in and make absolute all-out assault on your life. And man, that's happening in the church in 2023. Progressive Christianity, i.e. false Christianity, false religion, has convinced a bulk of human beings who, listen, a bulk of human beings who sit in the pew this morning. That's those, that's these things you're sitting in. The, the enemy has convinced the bulk of you that sit in the pew that the devil isn't real. You say, Caleb, that's not true. Oh, well, Barna Research says that 40%, 40% agree that Satan is not a living, that this is 40% of Christians. This isn't 40% of the world. This is 40% of Christians. Quote, unquote. 40% strongly agree that Satan is not a living being, but just a symbol of evil. So, Caleb, that's, that's 40%. That's not bad. Let's keep going because there's more. An additional 2 out of 10, 19%, said that they agree somewhat with that perspective. So, wait a minute. 40, 50. So, we're at 59%. Say that Satan isn't real, but some sort of a symbol. Oh, let's keep going, because there's more. There's a minority of Christians who indicate that they believe Satan is real, but they really don't really know. They, they disagree on really how real he is. That's 26%. So now, any mathematicians? We've got 59... 85% of Christians... Say that Satan isn't real. No wonder the church has no power. No wonder we have no one in the pews on Sundays. No wonder we are struggling to commit to do things with church things. Because you don't believe that there's a battle. Oh my goodness. Satan has tricked the bulk of humanity. That's... Most Christians don't believe the fundamentals of the Christian faith. Ergo, why we believe 
the bulk of the, ergo why I believe a bulk of the people who sit in the pews are absolutely on their way to hell and they've been convinced by the liar, this father of lies, Satan, oh, you're okay. Don't worry about going to hell. Because you're not God. A loving God would never send anyone to hell. Yes, he will. God will send sinners to hell. Because they deserve it. And I don't say that with joy. I'm saying this with a a level of gravity in my tone here. This is serious. Your eternity is at stake. This is... Jesus even said in Matthew 24, See that nobody deceives you. See that no one leads you astray. For many are going to come and they're going to say, I'm Christ. I'm the Christ. And they will lead many astray. There are many who stand behind these sacred desks on Sunday mornings and they make all kinds of pontifications about the Lord Jesus Christ and they point people to a false Christ. And I'm telling you, a bulk of people in church are on their way to hell. And we need an old-fashioned revival is what we need. We need some conviction of sin in our hearts. We need to repent of our sins. And we need to have men and women on their faces before God saying, God, please forgive me. As David said in Psalms 38, God, please do not judge me in your wrath. Don't discipline me in your anger. But you know what? If you don't believe that Satan's real and you don't believe sin is an issue, you're not going to have a problem and you're not going to repent. When's the last time? Think about that. This is a personal question that I want you to answer. In your, Just answer it. When's the last time you spent time on your face before the Lord Jesus Christ going, God, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for my wickedness. Or do we just start getting, yeah, we live in this hyper-grace sensation that we don't need to worry about our sin. We don't need to be, this hyper-grace mentality is killing us. Where we believe we can do whatever we want because, well, God's grace will cover it. Hogwash! If you're not pursuing holiness, Hebrews chapter uh, 10 says there is no one, you're never going to see the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't pursue holiness, you don't see God. I didn't write that. It's in the Bible. So that's the reason Jesus says, see that nobody deceive you. See that nobody leads you astray. For many are going to come in my name. Listen, the devil is a master counterfeit. The devil is a master counterfeiter. He is a liar. The scripture calls him, God calls him the father of lies. And he is fooling people every day, all day. And listen, the devil doesn't care how he gets you as long as he gets you. We say, Caleb, I'm a member of this church. Fantastic. A lot of members of churches are going to hell. Well, Caleb, I went to Sunday school for decades. That's awesome. That doesn't get you to heaven. Well, Caleb, I I served here. I did this. I did that. I did this. That's fantastic. Hold on just a second. I I got something for you. I want you to see this. This is important that you hear this. You say, Caleb, I don't like hearing this. Well, it's the truth. It's the truth. Listen to this. Matthew chapter 7. Verse 21. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Listen. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. And on that day, 
the day of judgment, on that day, some will say to me, many will say to me, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? So did I not preach? Listen, there's going to be preachers that don't make it. This, like, this, is, this is the thing that causes me to have, I lose sleep at night over some of this. There are many will say to me, they prophesy in your name. I cast out demons in your name. And I did all these mighty works in, my na- in your name. And then verse 23, this is Jesus talking. He says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who work iniquity or work lawlessness. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, this is serious stuff. This is serious stuff. This is why Paul kicks this thing off in, verse, in chapter 4 and says, Therefore, to my brothers... Listen, he's been talking for a couple of verses here about those who are false brothers. And then he, said, and he kicks it around and says, Listen, your citizenship is one that focuses on knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who focuses on being right with God. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's going to transform our lowly bodies into, the glory, into His glorious body by the power that enables him to subject or bring all things back to himself. Listen, I'm going to tell my, Mrs. my, I grew up in, in, this, in, in a place like this. My dad stood behind this sacred desk. I usually sat over in that little corner there. That's where, that was my little spot. And I went my entire life until I was a senior in high school. And I came to understand that I was not a Christian. I was very religious. I I mean, I knew all the songs. I was in the choir. I sang specials. But I was lost. My brother has the same testimony. Grew up in church. He was sitting at work. And the Holy Spirit, after he had been reading some scripture and reading through some books... And hearing a sermon on a counterfeit Christianity by a guy named John MacArthur, he hears this sermon and he's convicted over his sins. He leaves work in such a fashion and in such a haste because he's like, if I die, I'm on my way to hell. Rushes to my dad's office and says, Dad, I am not a Christian. How do you know that, son? Because I have had no love for the things of Christ, and I have had no love for the things of the Word. I have only had the love of the things of this world. And I'm telling you, if you have only a love for the things of this world, you are not a believer. And you need to stop fooling yourself and thinking that you are. That you're on your way to hell. And listen to me. Here's what, this is, I, I want to say this. So many people hear messages like this. And they say, well, well, Caleb, all right, well, I'm going to walk closer to the Lord. I want to walk closer to God. That's what I want to do. I want to walk closer to the Lord for all the wrong reasons. We want to walk close to God because we want to go to heaven. We want to use God as if he's fire insurance. Like you buy a fire insurance policy from State Farm or Farmer's Insurance or whatever. Why do you have a fire insurance policy, Caleb? Well, if my house burns down, I can recover all my stuff. So what do we do? We use God like a fire insurance policy. I don't, let's just do it. How many of y'all in the room want to go to hell? Raise your hand. Nobody in the room. Let's do, how many of y'all want to go to heaven? Raise your hand. Well, listen to that. You know what a lot of evangelists will do? And I've heard there's been some in this church who do this kind of trash. Everybody wants to go to heaven and miss hell. Come on down and say this prayer. Oh God, oh God, 
Save me. Save me. I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. Be the king of my heart. Be the king of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, you're saved. Someone on the back says, all right, you're, you're saved. And then they leave and there's no pursuit of holiness. There's no pursuit of the things of God. And what we've done is we trade this. The ultimate reason we come, the, come down the aisle is because we want Jesus' stuff. We want Jesus' stuff. And listen, the ultimate reason we should want to go to heaven is because God is there. We should want to go to heaven because God is present. And the ultimate reason we should want to stand firm for our faith is because the Lord Jesus Christ's presence is with us when we stand firm in the faith. And so many Christians want Jesus' stuff, but they don't want Jesus. Because Jesus requires stuff of us. If His presence is what we should long for. His presence is what we should long for. So many Christians want the stuff, but they don't want the presence of Jesus. And if that's you this morning, you need to repent of your sins and genuinely be saved. I don't want Jesus' stuff. I want to be next to him. I want to be close to him. I want to be in close proximity to the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't, man, scrap the kingdom if Jesus isn't there. I don't want the mansion if Jesus isn't there. Moses talks about this in Exodus 33. Moses said, and the Lord said, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest by bringing you, by bringing you and the people into the promised land. And then Moses says in verse 15, if your presence does not go with me, don't lead me from here. For how then can it be known that your people and I have found favor in your sight? Is it not by your going with us so that we would be distinguished, your people and I, from all the others, people on the face of this earth? Question mark. Moses says, listen, if I can't be in your presence, I don't want to go. If your presence, if you're telling me to go somewhere and you're staying here, I'm not leaving. I don't want to go to the promised land if you're not there. I don't want to be in the kingdom of God if you're not there. Our desire is that we should want to follow the Lord's presence. Not that we get to hang out in the kingdom. God's presence is what will bring us rest, is what will bring us joy. Not just being in the kingdom, but rather being in His presence. Like a few years ago, I went down, I was working in the oil industry and I did I was chasing what they call pigs it wasn't a pig it was a metal thing that went through a tube and there was a ton of awesome things that were down there I got to see the golf I got to go to the beach I went to this this boardwalk thing I did all these different cool things but I wasn't with my people my people weren't present with me and man it stunk I was lonely it was exhausting by myself because I kept going golly I want I want my wife to see this. I want my sons to see this. I want my daughter to see this. This is cool. This is awesome. This is neat. But I didn't have their presence with me. I was by myself. This is the same idea here. Is that heaven would be an awful place if Jesus wasn't there. In fact, that's what hell is. 
Hell is a place where Jesus' presence isn't there. The only thing you're going to experience in hell is God's wrath, not his presence, not his indwelling. You're going to experience his wrath, not the Holy Spirit's indwelling. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, when God vacates a place, I don't want to be there. That's the reason David said in Psalms 51.11, Cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. That's David. David, listen, I don't want to be where you're not. I don't want to be away from you. I want to be in your presence. I want to be close to you. But so many Christians, I use that in air quotes, just want to get to heaven. I'll never forget my dad did a ridiculous funeral one time. The guy died and they went out into a field and they propped him. They opened up a, the, the side of a, of a pickup truck, pulled a speaker out, and played the song, Prop Me Up Beside the Jukebox When I, when I Die. They pulled him out of, the, out of the, the truck, off the bed of the truck, propped this thing up on the coffin beside the truck, and blared this song out. I want to go to heaven, but Lord, I don't want to go tonight. We want Jesus' stuff. We're so narcissistic and foolish, and this is what the enemy does, is he fools so many of us. And I don't want to go to heaven if Christ isn't there. I don't want to be in the kingdom of God if God isn't there. That's the reason I echo David. Lord, please don't cast me away from your presence. I want to be indwelled with the Holy Spirit. I want to know him and he know me. I want to be next to him in proximity. I was telling Sunday school's class this morning, I was driving Thursday morning to go get a coffee. It was early. And a song came on and just sparked something in me. And I just wept as I drove. And said, God, I love you. I know that you know this, but God, I love you and I want to be close to you. God, please never cast me away from your presence. I know I deserve to be cast away from your presence. I know I deserve it, God, but please don't. Please don't. Because he, this is what, and this is what David knew. He knew that if he wasn't there, if his presence wasn't there... I have nothing. If your Holy Spirit is taken from me, I have nothing. If your presence is taken from me, I have nothing. And we have nothing without God's presence in our lives and in this church. If God's presence is not in this church, man, we need to shut the doors and go home. That's a, point. That's a good place for amen. This is what we should be clinging to as Christians. This is what we should be clinging to as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. That in this year, that things look different for us. And how does that look different? You say, Caleb, I've never really heard something like this. Here's what you need to do. You need to be saved. You need to genuinely get on your knees before the Lord Jesus Christ and say, God, I am sorry. Please forgive me. I don't want your stuff. I want your presence. I don't want your trinkets. I want your presence. And when you get God's presence, when you're indwelled with the Holy Spirit, everything changes. How do we know? Because the text tells us our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await the presence of a Savior. Oh, we await for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform us out of these lowly, disgusting, depraved bodies, and we get transformed into what? A glorious body made like that of Jesus Christ. 
by the power that enables him to subject or bring all things back to him. God's in the process of bringing all things back to him. The world, the universe will all be set right and be redeemed and reconciled back to him. And you have the opportunity this morning to be part of that redemption and a part of that reconciliation. If you genuinely repent of your sins and you genuinely don't want Jesus' stuff, but you want him. Man, get out of your mind. I just want to go to heaven. Like that'll, just give me a cabin in the corner of glory, Lord. No, you don't want a cabin in the corner of glory, Lord. I can promise you that. You will want to be next to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if he isn't there, he, don't, I don't want to go. I'm telling you, we've got to have a different mindset. 2023 needs to have a different mindset. This is where Paul kicks this off in chapter 4. Therefore, my brothers, those that are in Christ, those that are genuine followers of me, oh, whom I love. Listen, I'm telling you this this morning. This is my, I'm telling you this to you. I'm reading Philippians chapter 4, verse 1 to you. Therefore, my brothers whom I love, my sisters, who I love and who I long for. You're my joy and my crown. You are my joy and my crown. Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. If, that's, if, you're, not that, if you're not part of the beloved, if you're not in this, today it can be you. Today it can be you.